Thank you, Lord. Okay, let's be seated. A tremendous amount of work going on there. Chinese businessmen go from Taiwan. People with train go up there, and they're reaching just, just so many, many people. It's absolutely awesome. Well, we're just going to get into the Word I want to share with you. So I want to start a new series over the next four weeks. Uh, before I go up to Mongolia, I want to share uh, on an area that's going to be help for you, going to lift you up and uh, help you to get a breakthrough in your life. Uh, just before we do that, just uh, two uh, things I want to draw to your attention. Number one is, uh, where's uh, Andy and Janine? They'll be sitting here somewhere. Andrew and Janine, there they are, they're over there. Oh, Janine's not there, is she? No, she's looking after baby somewhere. Uh, Andy and Janine have got a uh, tremendous opportunity to go up to uh, to uh, um, Beth- Bethel, Bethel, the School of Ministry in Reading, Bill Johnson School of Supernatural Ministry, and uh, it's a huge step for them, but they felt the Lord speak to them, they submitted it to us and to uh, others for counsel and advice, and uh, pr- we've all prayed over it, and uh, just feel that God is on this, and so for nine months from the end of the month, they're going to be going up to Reading in California, and uh, where there's a School of Supernatural Ministry, a School of Business, Supernatural Business as well. And uh, they're going to get some training up there and come back in about June next year, isn't it? And uh, so I'd love you just to pray for them and to stand with them. It's a big venture, a very, very costly venture to take your whole family up and over to a strange land. But they've had very clear direction from the Lord in it and uh, very, very open to listen to God in the matter and not just race ahead. And so it's going to be a great experience for them. But they have got a challenge right now. The challenge is there's no house to go to. And uh, also, there's no one to rent their house uh, or buy their house. So there's a very practical thing that is needed right now is to pray uh, for those two areas, the housing issue to be resolved. They need a good place for their family to go into, four children. It's quite a, 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 not everyone's open to that, so uh, it's quite a challenge. And uh, they're finding as they ring and make connection that people, because they're overseas, are not responding. So uh, we just need to believe that in this next three weeks, they'll get a breakthrough, get a house over there, and also get a breakthrough with their own house here. Just a very practical matter, matter for prayer. So I'd love you to pray, and uh, let them know you're praying for them too. It'll be really, really good. So uh, they'll be uh, out at the end of the month, and then back in June, and we'll hear great things that God has done and taught them. It's going to be fantastic. So a great move and a great step of faith to let go of a secure career stepping out not knowing quite what it all leads to. And that's what the journey of faith is like. You don't always know what your step will mean or where it'll take you. And uh, another couple of people taking a step of faith is uh, Stephen Tara. And uh, they've taken a step of faith. They felt God uh, call them to come and be planted here in Bay City and to help with the work here. And so they've taken a step of leaving Australia. They also have a need for a building to sell. They've got a very expensive apartment over there with a uh, needing to be released. So if you could just also pray for them, that God will just give them a breakthrough and a release. They feel to come over here and stand with us and working and, uh, and helping uh, do whatever they can in the business arena to help people. So that's great news too, isn't it, eh? God moves and places people as it please Him. Why don't you open up your Bible with me? You're going to have to do something that's uh, over this next few weeks. It's going to be uh, just to stretch you out just a little bit. I want to just talk about the area of imaginations imaginations. I want to do a series on imaginations. How many people ever daydreamed? My goodness me, daydreams, they take you some places, don't they? (laughs) How many made it a way of life? (laughs) Well, we can talk about uh, fantasy and daydreams probably next week. I want to just start off today and begin to just talk about the whole realm of imagination and, uh, and particularly just the whole area of it, the power of your imagination and what it can do with you and where it can take you. 
And uh, if we are going to walk with God, the Bible tells us one of the things that God does is that he gives us dreams. A dream is an imagination. It's a picture of what could be in the future. And so if you and I are going to move prophetically and move into the things God has for us, we must be able to receive the prophetic dreams or imaginations or images God gives us, and we must also be able to deal with the other imaginations that come in. And my experience is that most believers uh, live out of imaginations which are vain and remove them from what God is doing rather than being uh, managing and dealing with those imaginations and positioning themselves to move with God, what God has. So in these coming days ahead, we're believing and wanting that you would begin to break through into greater realms of seeing, uh, of hearing God, of dreaming, and looking at possibilities. The walk we have in God is always a walk of possibilities. So I want to, over about three or four weeks, just lay out the whole area of imaginations and uh, lay a foundation today just about how your imagination works and affects your life. We want to then look at the whole area of fantasy and daydreaming, which is a, a particular kind of bondage that people get into, and yet they can be, you can be in it and controlled by it and limited by it and not even realize it. It's become so much a part of your life. And then we want to talk about some of the keys to deal with your imaginations, how to cleanse your imagination, how to confront uh, imaginations which come in, and then we want to open up to receiving things from the Lord. Amen? So it's going to be great, great stuff. I really felt this on my heart. So imaginations are just pictures in the mind, hey? pictures in the mind, images of things that haven't yet happened. So what happens in your imagination is going to affect the course of your life. Whatever's going to happen, happens in your imagination is going to affect the course of your life. So we're going to, I want to just share three, three or four things today. Number one, the first thing I want you to understand is God designed us to be creative. God has designed us to be creative. You say, well, I'm not the creative type, thinking in terms of, you know, doing art and craft. But listen, that's very, very limited sphere of being creative. God has, create, has made us and designed us, every one of us, has got the potential to be quite creative and innovative. I'll show you why that's true biblically in a moment, but it may not be operating very well in your life because that power of imagination and innovation and creativity may be suppressed and held down by various kinds of bondage. That's why we want to be able to identify the things that hold you back, and then I want you to just repent of it and get it out of your life and so we can all move on because we need what you have. So imaginations can release creative things in our life. So the first thing, I want you to look with me in Genesis 1. I'm going to read in verse 26 through to 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image. First thing we see is in verse 1, in the beginning God did what? God? He did what? He created. How do you create something? You imagine it. Then you put the hand to bringing it into being. So you've got to imagine it first of all. So God created. So uh, we see here it says, now verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, cattle, all the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Okay, notice the first thing it says. It says, let us make man in our own image and likeness, or make man like us. Now, if we are made in the image of God and God is creative, we must be creative as well. 
you have a creative ability. The ability to, because you're made in the image of God, you have the ability to bring into this world things which haven't yet been seen. Because you're made to represent God in the earth. So when God made us, He made us as His representatives in the earth. In uh, Psalm 8, He says, you have made Him to have dominion over all the works of your hands. So you are made to have dominion. You're made to make your presence in this world be significant and be felt. Significant and felt. In other words, God has designed you first to represent Him, and then secondly, to advance His interests in the earth. Because God is creative, and we're called to represent Him, we have a creative ability. We have an ability to innovate. Notice what the mandate that God gave. He said said there, He said uh, in verse 28, God blessed them. Now that means God spoke creative words over them, or God gave a mandate. So when God blesses, He not only says words, he says words and imparts life and power with those words. Words I speak of spirit and life, Jesus said. So when God speaks over man, God blessed them. That means he spoke prophetically and in a a way that would impart destiny into man. That's what he said to him, let man be fruitful. In other words, he's got the man and the woman in front of him. He's saying something like this, speaking, be fruitful, multiply. Fill the earth, subdue, have dominion. Now you see, that's how he spoke. He's speaking words that are to empower man to do something. And you notice he said, be fruitful and multiply. So uh, we have uh, two realms where creativity operates. We have two realms where our creativity operates. Number one is sexually, be fruitful and multiply. So so man has created a sexual being, we can create an eternal being, eternal, we can work in partnership with God, and an eternal being comes into existence. What an amazing thing. Your sexuality gives you power to create a person who can be connected to God and live and represent God for eternity. Our ability to be sexual, to be intimate, to have sexual relationships, and to enter into covenant relationship and bring forth children is a great gift of God, a creative gift of God. This is why it says the fruit of the womb is the Lord's reward. He gave us the gift of being able to create sexually through an intimate covenantal relationship, and then He gets the reward. He gets a family increasing in the earth. So God puts his, his part is to put his spirit, put the spirit into man. Okay? Spirit of man comes from God. You don't create a spirit, but you create the being within which God puts the spirit. So we work in partnership with God in creating a life. Number one then, the way that we uh, can create or be creative sexually by having children. It's a wonderful thing, wonderful thing to be able to do that. But we're not limited there. Not everyone's call in life is to be married. And so we're definitely not limited to that area of expression of creativity. The second area that God has given us the capacity to be creative is our imagination. Notice what God said, be (coughs) fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. That's clearly speaking then about man (coughs) recreating, producing children in the world, filling a whole earth. But then secondly, he says, subdue it and have dominion over it. Now, to subdue something means you have to apply force or you have to bring pressure around it to shape it or bring it to what God wants it to be. Implied in the word subdue is there's something out there that isn't right the way God wants it, and we're called to work with them to subdue it. 
Now you just think about life around you. There's heaps of things all around you that aren't right. You and I are called to partner with God to make it right. And to do that, we have to be creative. You have to be creative because you're going to face challenges in your life. You don't know what to do. You need to come up with something new, come up with an idea, come up with a way. Have you noticed how fulfilling it is when you're creative? When you actually put your hand to something and make something that was never there before, the wonderful fulfillment that comes in being creative. There's just nothing like it. So the seabed or the place where we create things is our imagination. There's nothing you see when you look around you that someone has built that first didn't start as a picture in the imagination. Think about that. Even the clothes you're wearing, probably you looked at them in a window and you looked and you thought, oh man, I'd look all right in that. You go and try it on, well, that looks all right. And you go, well, I don't think I mind that. I think I'll have that. I noticed Lynn's got a few things she's bought over overseas. <laughs> and so have I. I looked in the window and said, oh, that looks good. I like that. You begin to get a picture of yourself wearing it. Actually, usually you try it on as well. And you see the picture and then something begins to form in you. Before you know, there it is. So imagination is the, is the, is the part of our life where creativity can work. And it can either be creativity flowing out of partnership with God, where God gives ideas and dreams and visions and possibilities, or it can be a place where the devil floods our mind and keeps us limited and restricted. Now, you think about the process of how God speaks to us. God is a spirit. So when God speaks to us, he speaks spirit to spirit. His communications are from his spirit to your spirit. Now, how do you actually get them then? Well, they come up into your mind, into your imagination. And what happens is most, most common way that people receive is they get a picture. A picture just comes up into the mind spontaneously and they see some kind of picture and that picture is something that God has shared with them that has possibilities if they will embrace it and give voice and do something about it. That's how God speaks. It comes into our imagination. How does the devil speak to you? Well, the devil works from the other side. He works from the outside in. So he will put pictures into your mind. He will put pictures, feelings or sensations or words into your mind to try to capture your imagination. Because whatever's got your imagination definitely has got a hold of you. And the, the challenge we face is to be able to take dominion over our imagination and subdue thoughts which the devil brings or which are contrary to what God says and to open our gate where revelation can flow and we can begin to receive what God has for us. Every person is wired for this. So when you're daydreaming, daydreaming can be harmless. Daydreaming can actually lead to immense bondage. Fantasies. Well, they can be harmless and be creative, but they can lead to immense bondage because the devil wants to capture the part of you which can create a different future. Almost, you think about it. Someone says, I've got a dream of being a doctor. Well, they've got, an, they've got a picture in their mind, in their imagination has come a picture which they've thought about and thought about and thought about. In fact, I've heard people say, I've always dreamed of being this. I've always dreamed about being that. So they had a dream. Where did they have it? It was in the imagination. And they saw themselves doing something in the future. And eventually, as they applied themselves, 
the dream imagination became the reality. <clears throat> if you have a think, some of us have been around a while, the things we used to see in the movies as just imaginary, very many of them have become reality now. And what you're seeing in movies and things now, many of those things will become a reality. Hollywood really should be a place where the creativity of God is expressed in a positive way, except something else has gone in there, polluted it. Now it puts out images and imaginations which get into the hearts of people, defile relationships and defile lives and steal dreams. So imaginations are really important. So number one, God has made us in his image with a creative ability. Number two, our creativity operates in two ways. Sexually, we can reproduce and create new life. And in the imagination, we've got the, the capacity to come up with new ideas that have never been invented before. And I'm sure that if enough pressure comes on the gas reserves and oil reserves, someone will come up with something that was never thought of before. They always do. God, and it's funny, it seems to be released in the world in several places at once. You notice that many inventions have been like that. Inventions, new things. Oh, what, how great, you're called to be an inventor of new things. Isn't that great? A, a person who's got possibilities. Jesus said, you know, if you've got faith, all things are possible. So we're called to be possibility thinkers, dreamers about what could be. Not just restricted by an overwhelming depression of what is. Rather, we're called to carry dreams and visions and possibilities and be men and women of faith. Isn't that good? You're called to do it, but you've got to get a hold of your imagination. So man's imagination, of course, is a battlefield. That's the thing you have to understand. We'll get to that. I want to show you some strategies how to deal with it. Your imagination is the place where the war is fought, the war for your destiny. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, you'll know the verses very well, but let's just see them there. And uh, pick them up again. Verse 3, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 3. Now, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself to the, against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity and obedience of, to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And notice there, it, said, it talks about a war, a warfare. That word warfare is a campaign, a military campaign or an apostolic uh, advance. It, it, it has to do with the idea of a battlefield. So it says our warfare. Now notice our, he's talking to Christians here. Every one of us sitting here today is involved in a warfare. There's no saying no to it. You're in it. You can't just say, well, I'll stop coming to church, I'll quit. No, that means you got shot and got defeated, and the rest of your life is going to be falling short of what God intended for you. There is a battle for the control of our mind and what is going on. Therefore, the, wep we the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So we're not just facing people. We're not just got problems with people and problems in life. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. So we need to discover what the warfare is, how the enemy uses, works to get us in bondage, and then what do we do to get it out of the bondage? You need to be able to get out of the bondage yourself. And I would imagine there's many people here in bondage. Tell the person next to you, it's you he's talking about. Listen up. I'm sure it is. In bondage. 
weapons of our warfare. Okay then, notice there, so that word warfare or that is, uh, is literally a, a, our apostolic commission or our apostolic calling. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a campaign. So imaginations, notice it said, imaginations exalt themselves against knowing God. Now, how many people here really want to walk and know God? How many know God and walk? Man, I'm hungry to do that. Okay, one of the things you have to face is a key thing that will face your walking with God and knowing Him is what gets into your mind and imagination. It says imaginations, particularly vain or empty or idle imaginations, get into your mind. They will hinder you knowing God and walking with God and fulfilling your destiny. That's just real clear. If you can't recognize a vain imagination and its work in your life, it will actually pull you away from God and stop you walking into your destiny because you just didn't know what it was and recognize it, you were just carrying on being you. Not realizing that you being you is living the life of bondage, not in the freedom in this area that God wants us to be uh, involved in. And so dealing with imagination, even recognizing it is a crucial thing. Got to know the enemy. So we want to now look at understanding your imagination, understanding your imagination. So the first thing we saw is God created us, or he has designed us to be creative. He's designed us to be creative. Second thing we're going to look at now is understanding our imagination. So first of all, we're just going to have a look at the imagination. I want you to have a look in, in, in uh, Genesis 6 and verse 5. Genesis 6 and verse 5. So imaginations clearly are just mental pictures. They're images. God said, don't make an image that exalts itself against me. Genesis chapter 6 uh, and verse 5. So I just began to think, what a, a, a Imagination. I'm trying to get, I find it's helpful if you get definitions for things. It's really helpful to get clear what something means. Because we're going to look at imaginations today. I want to look at another time at fantasy, what fantasy is. And men's fantasies are different to women's fantasies. They're quite different fantasies. But at the end of the day, they have the same effect. They bring the person into a place they should not be. And they end up with the person being in bondage and not even realize that spirits have now accessed them and are now controlling their feelings and emotions and how they think and what they do. And I have seen this over and over and over again. I felt the Lord put on my heart, we just need to get a handle on this, how to deal with it. So an imagination is just a mental picture of something that has not yet come into being. It's a mental picture of something which has not yet come into being. It's an image. Imagination comes from the word image. So an imagination is an image. An image of something that has not yet come into reality. It could do, or it may not, but it's a picture of something that's possible. So when you daydream, for example, you go away and you begin to think of something, and you get into something that just flows on and on and on and on. Before you know it, hey, wait, come back. You know, where did I go? And you find you've gone somewhere. And uh, as far as I can see, and I'll show it to you in another verse uh, out of Ezekiel, It just seems as though that there's a screen we have, like a screen God's designed within us. And on that screen, you get mental pictures formed. So if you were to close your eyes and just remember or imagine your bedroom. Oh, whoa. Now, what happens is you get a mental picture. So, for example, if I said, tell me what your bedroom's like, you'd say, no, I don't want to go there. So I said, no, no, go there. Tell me what it's like. So you'd stop for a moment and you get a mental picture of what it looked like. And then you try and put the picture into words for me. 
So what you carry is a picture inside you. And the whole spirit world works off pictures. Mostly God communicates with pictures. And the devil puts pictures into our mind. Because once you've got your imagination controlled, every other part of you is going to come in line with what you're imagining. Any idea? It's really quite an important area. So your imagination, that's why TV and uh, the internet can create huge inroads because it puts impressions or pictures directly into your imagination. We grew up, used to listen to radio programs and series. Man, we used to love those things. But you had to use your imagination. You actually had to activate your imagination to picture what you were hearing. But with TV now, it just invades your imagination and puts images in there. So, so clearly, uh, it's like a screen you have. Because when God speaks to you, it's like you get a mental picture and it comes to the same place that you imagine. Hence the need to cleanse your imagination because that's the place you receive the picture impressions from God. Any idea? So if your imagination gets filled with mental pictures that are corrupt and defiled, it then chokes up and blocks up and affects your capacity to be intimate with the Lord. So it seems as though there's a part of us has like a screen on which mental pictures form. Secondly, it seems as though our inner man is designed... So there are, the Bible talks about the chambers of the imagination, like many rooms. So if I, for example, if I was to say, I want you to go back and remember uh, an event which happened last week, and you would begin to close your eyes, think about it, and in your mind you begin to picture and relive that particular event. And while, you're in, while it's in your imagination, it's like you're in a room and you just focus totally on that event. And then you can come out of that room again. And some people block off those kind of parts of their life. They've had bad memories, bad experiences, and so they block them all off, and yet their mind is filled with images which have really deeply wounded them. So I may get a chance in a couple of sessions to get into the whole area of your memories and how they impact your imagination and how ungodly beliefs and unresolved hurts then feed things into your imagination that begin to control your life. Any idea? All right. So, just go. so it seems that we'll just look at the screen now. So you have a screen on which God speaks to you, in which dreams come, ideas come, things come. And notice what it says here, after the fall of man, it says, uh, verse uh, 5, it says, God saw that the wickedness of man was very great, and every imagination of the thoughts of the heart was evil continually. Every imagination. Now, your Bible may have translated that word differently, but it is the word imagination, and it means this. It means to squeeze something into shape like a potter would mold clay. So your imagination, if I could just use another picture to describe it, is like this. Your imagination is like a potter with clay pressing, squeezing, molding until you've formed something. So when you get away into your thoughts and you begin to dream and imagine, you begin to shape some things inside your mind. You frame up things inside, and you have a whole realm that you can escape right into. You form, so your imagination is that you form things in your imagination. You shape things in your imagination. If you were, say, for example, uh, you were trying to design this building, then you'd begin to think about the building, and you'd begin to shape the thoughts until they crystallized and they came clear. Then you put them on a piece of paper. Or you put them on paper. While you put them on paper, you're working on the thing and you're thinking about it. And then in the end, you've got a picture of what it should look like. And they say a picture is worth more than a thousand words. I'll give you a picture. You know, oh, exactly. I know exactly what that is. So language, our language works best through pictures. The spirit world operates off pictures. Pictures come into our imagination. Hence, the imagination's so very, very important. 
And notice what it says here, that says the imaginations of the heart were evil continually. So an unsaved person, they are completely open up to all kinds of imaginations and those imaginations will be contrary to God and will pull them completely away from God. You think about this, why is it a person has struggle to come to Christ? Very simple, the Bible says the God of this world has blinded their mind or their imagination. They can't see the truth. They can't, they're not open to it until prayer and intercession breaks the power of that. Any idea? Okay, we'll move on now. And so imaginations have a voice. They talk to us. Your imagination, once you've got it now, it's a picture inside of some possibility, something could happen. Read in Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. Jeremiah chapter 7. Now, your, your imaginations talk to you. They're not just sort of passive in there. They don't, they don't just stay quiet. Once things have got into your brain and into your head, they start to talk, and they talk to you. And if that, if that uh, uh, imagination is a demonic imagination, it'll be talking to you and taking you where you don't want to go. Think about that. Okay, then let's have a look here and read in verse 23, 24. And this is what God's saying. Now, this is what I commanded them as saying, Obey my voice, I'll be your God, you'll be my people, and walk in all my ways I've commanded you that it may be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but followed the counsel and the imaginations of their evil hearts and went backward and not what forward. So notice here that they followed the counsel of their imaginations. Counsel means a voice. So your imagination will speak to you. It will speak to you about possibilities or it will speak to you and arouse feelings of fear. Many imaginations stir up feelings of fear. You think what fear is. Fear is a strong feeling. It's also a spirit. But it comes around your life as you begin to imagine a possibility of the future. So what happens is your imaginations talk to you. So, so for example, you've got embedded in your heart some beliefs of, of rejection. Or some, if someone does something and, and you, you begin to imagine in your heart that they actually reject you. And the more you think about that, the more it talks to you. How many of you have ever imagined a conversation before you had the conversation? Yeah, we do it all the time. So you're thinking about some situation you've got to go to, and then you begin to think how it might go. And that imagination's talking to you. And before you know it, you're wound up into a right royal state. I saw a video clip one time, and this guy, he started out to go from his home to his neighbors to borrow a rake. And as he walked out of his home to go to the neighbors, he began thinking about how the neighbor would respond. And he began to have this picture or imagination begin to form that the guy didn't like him. And he was going to say no. And he started to feel angry and stirred up. So the time he got to the neighbors, he was so wound up that when he knocked at the door and opened the door, the neighbor opens the door and says, hello. He says, you know what you can do with your rake? And the guy says, whoa, what happened? Where did that come from? And, but, but what's happened is, between his own house and the neighbor's house, imaginations have been running away and talking to him. And by the time he's got there, he's absolutely convinced he's going to be rejected, convinced the guy hates him, is going to reject him and say no. He becomes very angry at it. And by the time he gets there, it, well, that's it. And there's an angry response. Now, how many of us have done that? You've imagined something without finding what really is happening. You've assumed and then got this big imagination in your mind. And then over a few days of brooding on that imagination, you're in a right state. 
And when you go to meet the person now, you're wound up emotionally. All your emotions have been triggered off. Now you're walking after a vain imagination. Now notice what it says here. They didn't listen to God's perspective and point of view. They followed the counsel of their own imaginations and they went backward, not forward. So you can go backward, not forward, if you listen to the counsel of imaginations that are against what God has to say. You think about that. You say, wow, I want to serve the Lord. I'm going to go out and have a real influence in my work. And then you go out there and some little thing happens and you've got this thing in your mind, you get wound up and really lose it. You've gone backwards. You didn't bring Christ to them. You brought your vain imagination and your, your wound up emotions. It didn't do any good at all. This happens all the time. That's why people leave churches, why they break up marriages. They get this vain imagination about their partner, about their spouse, about someone. They get about they get all sorts of things. People get this imagination forms. And it becomes so real in their mind. It's like an idol talking to them and controlling where they go. The Bible says the cause of it's really simple. Your imagination talks to you. Make sure if you're listening to your imagination that it is in agreement with what God says. And so the only reference point you have for your imaginations is what does God say? Not what am I feeling, not what does it look like. What does God say about this? And you find that God tells you, Several things he tells you not to judge matters before you've heard it. <laughs> Otherwise, you'll look an idiot. That's what he says. So it's a real hard discipline not to judge things before you've seen, heard both sides. So imagination's not real. When you let your imagination start going, you begin to wonder what will happen. How many have wondered what would happen to them? How many have got brooding over something? You began to wonder and wonder and wonder. Before you, you know, you're walking after your imagination. That's what it says. You will walk after the voice of your imagination, if you don't stop it, line it up with the the Word of God. Unless we let the Word of God get into our soul and spirit and heart, then ungodly imaginations will rule us, and down we go down that old path. And How many have got old paths that you follow? God, you light your wick, and there you go. Some people know how to light your wick, too. Get you going. The Bible says a man's got no rule over his own spirit like a city broken down without walls. So if we're going to move a church into dominion and into having influence and beginning to advance, you've got to, we've got to deal with imaginations, foolish imaginations, vain imaginations, contrary to the word of God. Okay? So a vain imagination will always lead you away from God, but God's imaginations, the word of God, will lead you towards God. In Jeremiah 23, verse 16, it says, uh, it talks about people speaking a vision from their own heart. So here's the next thing about imaginations. Uh, (laughs) We saw that imaginations talk to you. Next thing is imaginations are prophetic. They're prophetic in that they're a picture of your future. If you go down that imagination, that's where you will go. You begin to start to think and meditate and picture someone uh, and you're thinking the worst about them. Boy, you're in for a conflict. You cannot avoid the conflict because it's prescribing where your future is going. That's why if we want our, our future to be determined by dreams and harmony with God's plan for our life. We want to be open to the prophetic because the prophetic is God's dream about my life and where my life is destined by God to go. And that's why it says... Where there is no prophetic revelation, Proverbs 28, where there's no prophetic revelation, where there's no unfolding imaginations, visions, and dreams from God, it says the people perish. Or you miss the opportunities God designed for you, you can't see them when they come because you're following an imagination. 
And this is a far more deep thing than we would realize. And so God will help us get out of it, get us into the prophetic flow. Isn't that going to be good? Okay, so when you respond to the pictures by embracing them and speaking them, you're on the way to fulfilling them. Okay, let's go and have a look. I'll finish one last scripture in Genesis chapter 3. And we'll look at the very first place that imaginations really got going. And the, the, the consequences were horrendous. Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was very cunning. More cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he came to the woman and he said, oh, really? Oh, really? Okay. As God made, indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said, well, we can eat the fruit of the trees of the garden. But the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God said, do not eat it. Don't touch it. Lest you die. And the, and the serpent said to the woman, oh, you won't die. You won't die. So you have to understand that vain imaginations will always oppose the word of God. So if you know what God says, you can recognize a vain imagination. If you don't know what God says about you, you won't even recognize a vain imagination. See, for example, one of the problems that people have, most common problem is rejection. We feel unaccepted. Now, here's the truth. The truth, you have been made accepted by God. You do not need the acceptance of people. That's the truth. But you see, the problem is that truth is not very alive in people's mind, but the pictures and images and pain and beliefs of rejection are. So when situations happen in life, we operate out of the imagination of rejection instead of the prophetic impartation that we're accepted. We live out of the dream, the imagination, the thing that's got a hold of us on the inside. Isn't that true? Okay, now have a look how the devil got to Eve. The first thing he did was he said, well, God, that's not true. You won't die. He denied the consequence of walking a way different to God's way. God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and was looking good to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise... She took its fruit and ate. Now, here it is. Notice this. The first thing is she got a word and a picture. Here's the picture. You'll be great. Oh, great. That sounds good. Whoa. You'll be like gods. Whoa. Wow. Wow. So she starts. Now, notice he's put the picture in her mind. Now, there's no problem having an imagination come into your mind. It's whether you entertain it. You can reject it when it comes into your mind, or you can entertain it. To entertain it means you begin to ponder it. Hmm, wow, mm, being like God. Whoa, that, oh, that trip, man, it's looking good. That fruit is looking good. I want. And she ate. That's the pattern. And, God, and that's how the devil still works. He still works the same way. He puts a picture in your mind, contrary to what God says is true, contrary to what, probably, what, what is true, and if you start to ponder on it, you start to eat it. And once you've eaten it, you conceive whatever it's got. You conceive it in your heart, and then it'll become your future. Now, here's the worst thing. The worst thing is this, that when you've done that, you'll then tell someone else your imagination. See, Eve, she says she gave it to Adam and he ate. Well, it's more than he gave it. She talked to him. Whoa, look at this. Wow, we got this. Why you eat this? Why this is going to be really good. This can this make us get ahead? Oh, really? Yeah, wow. Okay. Now, that's how relationships get defiled. One person gets an imagination, a perception about someone else, 
They begin to feast on it, feed on it, meditate on it. They become convinced that person's this, this, and this. They then enter into it. Now they've judged the person. They go to someone else and they talk to them and they begin to split up relationships. That's how your life goes off track. You begin to perceive someone doesn't like me. Someone's rejected me. Someone's this. Someone's that pastor ignores me, hates me, all that kind of stuff. That's a vain imagination. And the problem is when the vain imagination comes in, it comes in strong and it comes in with feelings and you can't feel the presence of God. You just feel the vain imagination. The only thing you've got left is not your feelings and not the presence of God because you don't even feel the presence of God. All you've got is the Word of God. And if you've got that Word, you can beat the imaginations every time. Think about that. That's why it says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God. There's a dependence upon God Will he will back up his word. They are mighty through God and I can tear down, cast down, pull down imaginations which will take me away from God down a path I don't want to go. A path of rejection, a path of bitterness, a path of anger, a path of lust, a path of independence. All of these paths which look so attractive when you're going through the pressure, but they take you away from God. You go backward, not forward. I've seen heaps of people go backward, not forward. Yet there they were sitting like all of us, worshipping God, hearing the word of God, loving God. What went wrong? An imagination got in the heart or was already in the heart and built upon because it had never been torn down. That's how the devil works. That's how it started in Genesis. The plan hasn't changed. It's such a good plan. You think about how a person goes off into sexual sin. They begin to fantasize. They begin to get imaginations. Now, the thought coming in, you can't do much about that, except you can make a decision to reject it. But if you entertain it, soon sin has conceived and already the sin is alive in your heart. It's just waiting for the opportunity to express. If you take an, an offense and begin to meditate on an offense, what happens? Or then you begin to be angry on the inside. And already you have now entered into and will soon manifest that. It will control your future. Certainly the future of that relationship. How many relationships have been broken because a vain imagination got in the mind, a misunderstanding that was never checked out by asking questions, anything like that. The vain imagination got in, an assumption made, a picture formed, and the person then walked out of that imagination and the relationship was ruined. God says to walk differently. He says to handle things differently. Not to walk after the counsel of our imaginations, but to walk in the counsel of God. In the Word of God. You need to know what God says in His Word. You can't rely on just feelings and sensations. When you're in a meeting, presence of God there is wonderful. When you're in a place of temptation, you don't feel God at all. He feels, I don't know where He went, He's just gone. All you can feel is your mind filling up with pictures, desires forming, longings forming, and if you entertain it, you'll eat it, and very soon, having listened to that imagination and followed its counsel, you'll walk it out and it'll change your future. That's how, that's how imaginations work. 
So if we have to actually get strategies to confront vain imaginations, tear them down, so we can walk in the Word and the Spirit of God and follow after God into His destiny and plan for our life. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're spiritual and they're powerful and they can deal with all of this junk so we can walk with God and fulfill our destiny and dream and see things. That's what God wants for every one of us. We've got to learn how to do it. We have to actually decide, I'm in a warfare. I'm going to begin to watch what I'm imagining, what I'm thinking about, where my mind is going, and begin to check it against what God says. Is this true or is this a lie? And I'll follow the Lord. Can we give the Lord a clap? Can you give the Lord a clap? Can we give the Lord a clap? Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you overcame the devil's temptations and the imaginations he put into your mind by the Word of God. It is written. It is written. It is written in the Word of God. Lord, we want to be Word people, Spirit people, following your Spirit, guided and held up by the Word of God. Father, we pray over these next weeks, you will expose across the church in every one of us vain imaginations that control and run our life and talk to us and take us in a path we shouldn't be going. We're going backwards instead of going forwards. We want to go forwards. So we choose to open ourselves to you, the living God. Everyone say amen. Amen. Let's just stand to our feet. I'm going to finish with a great song. Perhaps there's someone here today and uh, you've been walking in a vain imagination all your life. Bible says the fool says in his heart there's no God. It's an imagination. There is a God and believe me, you're going to stand face to face with him. But today you could actually connect with him. Your sins forgiven, a new life begun. Jesus said, whoever will receive me, believe and put their trust in me. I'll give them power to become a child of God. That would be a great thing to happen for you. You're here today, you're not a Christian and you want to give your life to Jesus As we sing this final song, just make your way up to the front. Stand here. We'll be glad to pray with you and lead you to Jesus.